Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by Baylife Church Port Stevens. We hope you find this message challenges and inspires you in your daily Christian walk. For more information, visit www.baylifechurch.org.au. How are we all? We good? I'm a bit off with the fairies. I kind of got a bit of a cold yesterday, so if I say anything dumb, I know that would be very unusual for me. But if I do, it's just because I took some Panadol, but I'm going to be all right, I think. Before we get started, Toto, who had a good time last weekend with those gorgeous African choir? Thank you to everybody that came and supported it. Thank you to all our host families. There was nine families that looked after them for a couple of nights and showed them the bay. Thank you for those people. Thank you for our beautiful catering team that looked after them so well with food. Takes a really big team to pull that off. And thank you to Georgie and Colin who looked after the team leaders and drivers by putting them up at their B&B for the weekend. So just put put your hands together. Big team of people. Um, I think all up, something like $4,000 was raised um, through merchandising and the offering to help the work of Watodo. So fantastic. How did the blokes go last night? Good? <laughs> was it good? Did you do lots of grunting and driving dumb cars? And I can see it's all torn up out there. Didn't set fire to the bush or anything, did we? No? All good. Glad you're enjoying the men's bloke thing, shed. What's it called? The shed. All good. Um, to the word. We're doing a series at the moment, and it's a bit of an unusual one because it's all Old Testament. We don't kind of do a lot of Old Testament preaching, but Greg's got us on a series called Fearless. So if we could have that um, up there, that would be really good. So far, we've looked at Jonah, the life of Jonah, and Gideon. And my turn is a very exciting one because I get David and Goliath. Now, it's a story you all know, so I think, oh, gosh, how am I going to tell this story? Because you all know it really well. But can I have the, the first um, screen up? This is the scripture that we're using about God not giving us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and a sound mind. But let's have a look at the first picture. I thought we'd start off really spiritual. Here we go. Look, isn't that just cute? David and Goliath. Look at that. How cute's that little boy? I thought that was a really, really good thing. And that's actually a bit how the story's going to go today. A little guy takes on a big guy. So... We're going to have a look at probably one of the most famous stories of courage in the Old Testament, one that of David and Goliath. So turn with me, if you've got your Bibles, to the first book of Samuel, chapter 17, and that's where we're going to be today. Now, David's not the only person to come up against a giant. All of us as believers will find ourselves face to face with lots of big challenges. However, on a few occasions, you'll find yourself staring into the eyes of a Goliath, a giant problem then either fear or faith takes over. And most often it's fear and an expectation that we're about to be squashed. So as I'm speaking this morning, I want you to think a moment about what your own Goliath might be. What is it that is looming in your life that's got you a little bit shaking in your shoes? Okay, I'll just pray and then we're going to start. Lord, thank you that we get this chance every week to come around your word, Lord, to open up your Bible and learn lots of truths and to be encouraged by those that have gone before us. So God, 
open our hearts today to what you want to speak to us and um, empower me, Lord, to bring this message with strength and courage in Jesus' name. Amen. So how did David find himself in this battle? If you look at verse 17 in that chapter, we see that David's father, Jesse, has sent David, who's around about 17, 18 years of age. He sends him to the front line of the battle, which is going on between the Israelites and the Philistines. Now he's sending him to see how his three older brothers are getting on. They're fighting in the army and he has to take some food along. So it's here that he witnesses the champion of the Philistines, whose name is what? Goliath, steps out and he starts shouting his usual defiance. And in verse 23, it goes like this. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance. And David heard it. Whenever the Israelites saw the man, they all fled from him in great fear. So the Israelite army took one look at him, turned and bolted. They were not at all ready to take him on. So Goliath is challenging them to bring forth one champion, one man that would stand and battle against him. And the deal was, if the person could beat him and kill him, then the Philistines would bow down to the Israelites and they would follow them and serve them all their days. But they were all too scared. King Saul was in charge. He was terrified. They had no chance of beating him. He was just too big. And they didn't want to be humiliated in their defeat. So I wonder about you today, about your Goliath. What's the thing that you feel you cannot win against? that you would feel humiliated if others even knew about it. Maybe it's an addiction, something that's had you in the grip for such a long time and you might have lost the battle time and time before and you just don't think you can possibly have victory over it. Maybe it's a relationship challenge. Maybe it's a failing marriage. Maybe it's a health problem. Maybe it's a financial battle. And these can all become part of our normal lives and begin to dominate who we are. Goliath had been taunting this army, not just for one day, but for 40 days. He'd come out and he'd shout and then he'd go back again. Until this day when David heard. And this is my first thought and point for today. David heard him. In verse 23, he says, As the Philistine champion stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defense, David heard it. He recognized that what he was shouting out was lies and intimidation and defiance. So David loved the Lord. He was a man after God's own heart. He was only a young man at the time, and he loved God's people. And he was offended when this ugly big giant of a man stood there and screamed offense. He must have been thinking, come on, someone do something. The whole army's there. Everyone's just standing there. But we can only recognize lies in our life when we know the truth. Okay, and the truth is the word of God. So some of the lies that you might have going round and round in your head that might have become your belief system might be something like, you'll never overcome that addiction. You'll always be like this. You're pathetic. You'll never amount to anything. You were never wanted anyway. Who do you think you are to do that? I don't know if any of you have heard that before, but there's some of the things that are said to us in, in, in our lives. But to win the battle in our own lives... We've got to be able to get the truth of God into our spirit and know them and stand on them so that we recognize lies when they come along in our lives. And here's a few of God's truths I think we should really get into our spirit. Romans 8:28, if you're taking notes, says, In all things, 
God works for the good of those who love him and have been according to his purpose. Romans 8.37 says, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. John 10.10 says, The thief comes only to steal, kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. So when your brain is telling you that you can't do things, you need to get the word of God into you and says, yes, I can. I can do all things through him, through him who gives me strength. So in 30, verse 32, David is moved to action. He says, I'll go fight him. You can imagine. Imagine this on the battlefield. All these big soldiers all lined up. And the little kid says, I'll go fight him. I'll go fight him. He says in verse 32, David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. But it must have taken so much courage. Have you ever really thought about it? How much courage was it for this young guy to stand up and face this opponent? And for us, it also takes courage to stand up and fight for what we believe is the right thing. Sometimes to take a certain course of action, to make the decision that will move us forward in life. So this brings me to my second thought. Don't listen to the voices of the cynics that say you can't. Remember that in Christ you can. Write that down. You can. And remember the time when God did. Your God stories and the stories of others are really important. And they're the things that help build your faith. Okay? So I want to take a moment and look at David's potential as a king and as a warrior. And Greg's already talked about David today. In all the Bible heroes and people, I suppose David is the one we hear so much about, about being the man after God's own heart. But he was a mighty warrior. But at this stage, he was just a kid, remember. But God saw his potential way before he got there. Samuel the prophet in 1 Samuel 16 goes to David's family to anoint little David as the king. But there was already a king. King Saul was the, uh, the appointed king that God knew that David was the anointed king and he was only a young man at the time. God saw David in the quiet moments when he was tending the sheep. He knew his heart and he saw him growing in potential as he worshipped out in those fields with the sheep. He empowered David to kill the bear and the lion that came to kill the sheep in his care. God knew David had it in him, but others tried to limit him. So let's have a look at what other people how they saw David. Jesse is David's father, right? He didn't see anything special in him because the prophet Samuel came to anoint one of Jesse's sons. God said, I want you to go to Jesse's household and anoint one of his sons as the next king. So he goes, bring out all the sons. So he does. He brings out seven sons and they all line up. Some of them are really handsome and strong and good looking and Samuel must have seen the first one and thought, oh, yes, this guy's king material for sure. God says, no, it's not him, not him, not him, not him, not him, not him. So he gets to the end of the row and it's like, well, there's no one left. And Samuel says to Jesse, have you got any other sons? And he says, oh, yeah, I've only got one little guy. He's out with the sheep. Bring him in. God says, he's the one. He's the one. So God saw something in him when even his dad didn't see anything in him. The brothers, David's brothers, they saw nothing special in him. When he arrived on the battlefield, they were angry with him and abused him, calling him conceited and wicked. And you'll read that in verse 28. When Eliab, David's older brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and asked, Why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? 
I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You only came down to watch the battle. Sometimes our families, our siblings, will put us down and not want us to succeed in life for whatever reason, be it jealousy, insecurity, or just lack of understanding or through lack of relationship. Next one is King Saul. He didn't see anything special in David when he volunteered to fight Goliath. In verse 33, Saul replied, You are not able to go out against the Philistines and fight him. You're only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. Just because you're young, young people, that doesn't disqualify you or limit you from serving God. Even when he did go and fight, Saul tried to make him wear his heavy armor. Here, wear this, take this. So poor David's only this young guy and he's trying to wear all this heavy armor and he just throws it off. He says, I know I can't fight like this. And how often do we also carry around other people's expectations of us? They put these, people put things on us. It's not, not something you can see, but it's an expectation to be a certain way, behave a certain way, act a particular way. And what it does, I think, it slows you down in your walk with God. Goliath didn't think David had it either. And he says in verse 43, he said to David, Am I a dog that you would come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. So David had been told by heaps of people that he had no potential but he was still able to rise above the naysayers and those that criticized him and to take his stand against Goliath. He was able to remove the limitations put upon him by others and stand strong in faith, knowledge and experience of God. And that's what we have to do, people. We have to rise above what other people think about us and say about us and the limits they try to put on us and stand strong in the battles we have with God. I don't know about you, but maybe you've heard something said from a teacher at school, a parent, a friend, I don't know, a guidance counsellor that might have said, oh, you've got no hope, you're never going to do anything. This is the thing I really want you to remember today. Limitations do not limit us unless we let them. So remember that. That's something you should put on your fridge. Limitations do not limit us unless we let them. We've got to learn to rise above. Do you know everyone has an opinion about the way you should live your life, especially as a Christian. But we've got to be more concerned with what God's opinion of, his, of us is than others, okay? Looking to his, for his approval and not others. We've all got God potential, and I think God believes in us and values us, even when others don't. I wonder for you today, if you think that some of the limitations that you feel you carry may disqualify you from serving God or even pleasing him. <laughs> Let me tell you a little few about my limitations. <laughs> I'm a senior pastor here, right? When we first came up here 10 years ago, um, I was a very different person. And I think it's hilarious because as a young person, um, I started really badly. So how funny is God? He brings me up here and lets me preach. Like that's a limitation. I was a stuttering little kid. Who would have ever thought I could come up and speak from the front? I wasn't raised in a Christian home. I didn't have those strong foundations that are often put in kids when, when they're little. When we came up here 10 years ago, um, I had no formal Bible training. I was a kids' church leader, and I loved it, um, and I lacked confidence. But I've since studied and have my full formal qualifications. But if you look at my past, I shouldn't be here. But God saw something in me that probably I didn't even see in myself. He believed I could do this, and I could speak for him. 
but I can only do it in his strength. And that's the same for you. All of us have potential and we've got God's grace to get us through. Praise God. Um, So don't try to be anyone else. Don't let others put you in a box or put labels on you in any way. After we were here for a little while in the bay, um, I wasn't really sure what a senior pastor looked like. I hadn't done it before. (laughs) So I kind of tried to do this morphing and changing and being someone else. I thought I'd be really mature. I thought that's what they're like. They're really mature. They play the piano, but I can't play the piano, so I'll be really mature. But I couldn't. I tried really hard. And Greg said, what are you doing? (laughs) He said, you're not yourself. I go, well, I don't really know who I am anymore. I don't know who I'm supposed to be. And he said, well, you just be yourself. I went, really? And he said, yep. And I said, great. So that's who I am. This is what you see is what you get. And um, I am a joyful person and I like fun and that's who I am. And God uses me through that. And I really love that. But you've got to be real careful because you can try to be someone else. You can try to model yourself off someone else and think, oh, they're a godly person. Oh, maybe I should do that. But you don't. You've just got to know who you are. Know who you are and get to like who you are. God doesn't want substitutes or clones. He wants you. And I believe God will hold us all responsible for those spiritual gifts that he's placed in us that are all waiting to come out once we're in the body of Christ. So when you go into your battles, go in as yourself, the person that God's created you to be and full of amazing potential for victory. Remember what has God has done in the past, how he's, how he's delivered you from other battles how he saved you from making those big mistakes or helped you in making the right choices and put your hope in him. So what are you facing right now in life? What's the battle that's looming right there for you? Who are you going to believe about your potential? Are you going to believe God? Are you going to believe that he's been there for you in the past and he is there for you right now? So we get on to David. He's ready for battle. The face-off begins Verses 43 and 44 brings us to the third thought for today, which is don't focus on the giant, but focus on God. So if we were abetting people, we would probably wouldn't put our money on David at this stage. What do you think? I don't think so. He was small. He had no training. He had no armor. All he had was a few stones and a slingshot. Whereas Goliath was nine foot tall, they say, was a trained warrior and had a full set of body armor ready to fight. If we make comparisons, like in this instance, we compare our giant, whatever it is, to ourselves, it seems huge. But if we compare it to God, it can seem small in comparison. You may have a long list of reasons why you cannot win your battle, but when your trust is in a big God, you're on a different attack path. Sometimes we just have to get the right perspective on our issue. The Israelite army thought Goliath was too huge to fight, but David thought Goliath was too huge to miss because his faith was in a big, huge God. And in verse 45 of that chapter, David said to the Philistine, you come against me with a sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. David in the natural might have looked like he had no armor or protection on. But I believe he went into the battle fully protected with the armor of God in place. And as we go into our battles in life, folks, we need to go in with the armor of God. So we're just going to take a moment and flip. If you want to flip, you can to Ephesians 6 or I've got it up here. 
the armor of God. This is Paul talking. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's scheme. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. After you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Phew. That's a big chunk, isn't it? Oh, but it's a good one. Sometimes our battles are in the physical realm. It might be the reality of a job uncertainty. It might be an illness, a marriage problem, a financial crisis. But more often than not, there's a battle going on in the spiritual realm which you can be unaware of. This has the potential to take you off course with God. And we as Christians need to be courageous courageous, and not be scared of the enemy and learn how to do the battle. So this could be a whole message of its own. But I'm just going to take a very small moment and quickly look at the helmet of salvation. Many of the battles occur in our mind and in our thought life. So much, which means we have to protect our thoughts and mind on a daily basis by reading the word of God, lining up our thinking with what God says about our situation, okay? Really important. The build of truth. We must be people of truth, okay? Believing and speaking truth into every situation, living our lives in obedience. The breastplate of righteousness is knowing that we are made right only through Jesus and living life his way. Protect your heart and keep it pure. The gospel shoes it talks about is living our lives in peace wherever we go, being people in loving relationships with others, living our lives by example, showing the world how to live. The shield of faith. Don't doubt God's promises, but trust in him and walk in faith and not fear. And the sword of the spirit is the word of God. It's the weapon of attack. When you're in battle, that's what you need. You need the word of God, okay? That's what the Bible says is sharper than any two-edged sword. And above all, pray. Pray, 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 pray. Pray in the spirit. See, when you come up against battles, you don't want to be wussy. Sometimes I think as Christians, we can just bow down to everything. We've got to learn to stand strong. Our friends need to know how to battle, because life's full of battles, you know. And I don't, you, every one of you can be thinking of friends that are battling through stuff. They often have no hope. They don't know how to do it. But we as Christians should be able to guide them, learning how to stand strong in battle. I'm going to tell you a little bit about um, the biggest battle I think I've had in my life. And it was a spiritual battle. And a lot of you know it, but it's just a very brief story. How God, I think, came through with this amazing victory. A couple of years ago is when our son, Brenton, experienced a very dark and difficult time in his life after a very long-term relationship ended. He was living away from home, studying for a number of years, and his life was out of control, and he was spiralling downward at a very fast rate. He was basically self-destructing, and we were helpless. We felt absolutely helpless to help him. But he had huge potential as he was just about to finish a a medical degree and go into a career as a doctor. But at this stage, he couldn't see any future, 
or feel hope of any kind. And he just really wanted to give up and end it all. So as a parent, this is probably one of the toughest battles you're ever going to go through when you see your child in this position. So we tried everything we could with absolutely no result. So I threw myself into prayer and intercession to God for him to help him. Now I know that there is prayer and that there is prayer. That's so true. You know, there's wussy prayers and there's soft prayers and there's prayers. There is battle prayers. And I think that's what I learnt. I started to pray scripture. I started to stand on his word because it was life and death situation here. And there wasn't time for little weak wussy prayers. Oh, God, please help him. This was like, God, help him. Help him. Save him. And I just really stood in there. And I believe that was warfare going on. Um, I was out of my depth. The situation was out of my control. But in here, I felt a sense of peace, knowing that I had done all I could in God and I just had to trust and let him work. When you're facing your biggest battle and you're facing your own Goliaths, you need support and prayers of others. We had everybody praying. I know you guys were amazing at praying. It was a very stressful time for us, having our adult son living with us under our care. But this particular night, we were supposed to go off to a pastor's retreat in the Hunter Valley that we do every year, just for a couple of days. But we couldn't go. We thought, we can't go. There's too much going on at home. So we thought, okay, we'll go for a day because we didn't want to leave our girls with the responsibility of caring for their volatile brother, which anything was possible at this stage. So the day ended. We had a nice day. The day ended with this great prayer session. The whole group of pastors were around us, and we began to intercede for Brenton. Well, can I tell you, something happened that night. We went into battle in the spiritual realm and that realm. And as I said, we were really praying and calling out for God to save this kid. It ended well, lots of tears, and then we went home. The story is a really big one and I've actually put it down in a bit of a book form because this is amazing testimony to God. And I don't have the whole the time to tell the whole story. But what I think happened that night, it set in motion a series of events that resulted in Brenton coming back to God. The exciting part is, though, I didn't get a chance to really share with him that, that, that period of time, those few days, about that pre- powerful prayer session. But when I did, he said to me, I can't believe it, Mum. I said, um, why? He said, something happened to me on Tuesday night. We were in the Hunter Valley. He was at home in his bedroom with the door shut, which is how he lived his life. He said, I couldn't stop crying. There was something going on in me. So God was at work. There was something being battled in the spiritual realm. And I tell you that story because it's not a coincidence. It's not a coincidence that at that very time we were crying out to God, save him, God, he needs you, but something was going on in his heart. So I tell you that story, guys, to encourage you to pray and don't give up and to really step into battle when you're praying for loved ones, and for situations. And this is what this David and Goliath thing's all about. It's standing strong and praying. Okay. But then, um, so fast forward three years. He's working as a psychiatrist, get this, in Newcastle. A career path he himself chose, but I put in brackets, I prefer to believe God chose it for him, um, helping others who are struggling with life. He's married to a beautiful girl who loves God. And they're expecting their first baby in a month. So how good's that? How good is God? So Romans 8.28, remember we said, In all things, God works things for good for those who are called 
according to his purpose. It's an amazing story, and I tell you that because God gets the glory. None of us, just God. And the battle for his life, I think, now I reflect back on it, was even bigger one than I first thought. I think it was a strategy of the enemy to take him out from our family and thus weaken us as a family and our role in the church. The result of that being a weakened church. Because what happened after that event, and we walked through that whole story with you guys, the church has flourished. The church has just gone forward. So I think as our family was strengthened in unity and love, this flowed through to the church and God's amazing grace was in action. So all glory be to him. So God is faithful. I know it. David knew it. Otherwise, he never would have stepped up and taken on Goliath. And in verses 45 to 47, this is where the action comes. David said to the Philistine, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I'll strike you down, and I'll cut off your head. This very day, I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you all into his hands. So then, I bought my own little slingshot. Do you like this? I really, I, this morning I was, I was just thinking, I thought, do you know what? I wished I had got a bit more organized. I would have given you all slingshots. Not like this, but I would have had little ones. How good would it have been if we all could have got ready and we all could have flung them together? So I haven't got a real one for you. I've got this one. I'm so hoping it doesn't leave my hand. I was thinking, wouldn't Greg just love it if I got this and just pshoom, smash goes the light? But I won't. Now, whenever I've read this story, and even in kids' church when I used to teach it, I, I, in my mind I had the slingshot was the little Y-shaped one that you pull back with a little pebble. And I used to think, oh, come on. How could you kill a giant with a pebble like that? Well, archaeologists have found rocks as big as baseballs all around the um, fortification systems when they dig them up. And the slingshots they used to use were like leather. So this is a bit more realistic than the old Y one. Imagine this. He's got his slingshot with a great big rock in it. It comes up with a fair bit of pressure. Don't worry, Greg, I'm not going to let it go, I promise. But imagine he swings it like this and he woofs it and then it goes whack. Oh, there's a good picture up there. There you go. Look at that. Um... Right between the eyes. Now, that would pack a punch. Oh, look at that. Look, it's even got lights. Look at that. I wonder if Davis was like that. Oh, look at that. Woo! This is Toby's little toy I found on the way. So I was like, oh, that's good. So he flings it, okay? Whacks him in the head. Knocks him flying. Gets on him. How cool is this? Look, he gets on him, gets his sword. Ah! Cuts his head off. And all the army's going, yay, yay, yay. Bit of action. Bit of blood and guts. But he wins. He has victory. A little 17-year-old boy took him down. Okay. The Philistines turn and they run. They're a bunch of sissies, really. They just take off. You imagine the Israelites. Yay! Off they go and they chase him. And the victory was there. So how about you? What do you believe about God? Do you have faith to really believe that he will never leave you or forsake you, as his word says, even in the toughest battles of your life? You too can stand strong, face your Goliath, have the victory when you firstly recognize that the lives that you believe about your situation 
However, you can only recognize the lies, remember, when you know the truth. So we need to get the truth into us, into our spirit. Then don't listen to the cynics and allow the limitations to keep you from God's victory. Remember the God stories. Remember that story about Brenton. If you haven't got your own God story yet, remember someone else's story. Remember that story because whenever I'll come up against something or I'll start to go, God, are you really there? I'll go, yes, you are. You came through. You saved that boy's life. And every time I look at him, I go, no, God, that was you. And that builds my faith. Every time I remember that, it builds my faith. And don't focus on the giant, but focus on God. Get your perspective right. And remember to put the armor of God on every day as you go out and battle your giants. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and a sound mind. So let's pray as the band comes back. Oh, Father God, thank you that we can trust you. Thank you that you are always there for us, Lord. And I just pray for everyone here today, Lord, regardless of what they're facing. The giant of maybe being unemployed. Maybe the giant of being constantly sick. The giant of not having enough finances for their family. I don't know, God. Maybe those ones that are struggling with addictions that just have given up of ever trying to fight it. God, you're here and you can make them strong. And I pray that today, Lord God, that there's a change of heart, that they are growing in their faith, that something on the inside is rising up and going, yes, I can do this in God's power and strength. I can face my battles in life. But we can't face them alone. We can only face them with you, Lord God. And I thank you for your Bible and your word and that it encourages us so much, Lord God. We can learn so much. And we love you and we trust in you, God. So help us to be strong and stand strong and get the victory in all our instances and our battles, Lord. But I do realize that some of you here might not even know God. You hear me talking about God and, yeah, that's all right for you, Robin. You're on that track. But you too can become on that track. And if you don't know Jesus today, I just want to give you that opportunity. While everyone has their eyes closed for privacy, Do you want to make that journey today? Maybe you've once known this God we've talked about and he let you down maybe. You feel like he let you down. He wasn't there for you. But it's always, he's a God of second chances and he's always there for us. So if you today would like to make that step forward and get a little bit more courage and get to know God today, I'll just ask you to put your hand up. I'll see it. No one else will. And we can have a little talk after when we can pray and ask God back into your life and set you on a journey where amazing things are possible. Absolutely amazing things are possible. He believes in you. He's put amazing potential in each and every one of you. So if anyone here today wants to do that, just show me your hand and we'll talk. Thank you, God. Thank you for all your people, Lord God. Thank you that each one of them has amazing potential and each one of them, God, may they rise up, rise up and reach that potential in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to the message today brought to you by Baylife Church. We hope the message leaves you feeling challenged and inspired to live out your Christian walk. Please tune in again for next week's message.